So I still remember when I realized I was called to be a preacher. Know why I remember? Because I was crying in my room. Because I was such an anxious person that besides sharks and heights, the thing I was most scared of in this world was speaking in front of people. Like literally if I get in front of a group of 15 people, my lip would quiver, my eye would twitch, and my leg would kind of pop. And I remember crying and saying, this father, not preaching. You've got to find someone more courageous than me to preach because I am petrified of standing in front of people. I actually threw up before every message I preached until I was 34 years old. A little fun fact, take that home and talk about it. I'm almost 39 now, but until I was 34, it was just stress was so much. I felt like I was going to throw up all the time. I felt like I couldn't breathe. It was just a horrible situation because I realized God had given me a hard calling. I was an anxious person. He called me to do something that I naturally didn't want to do, but I had to do it because he had my best interest in mind, the people I was called to interest in mind, and it was for his glory. And even though there was going to be much suffering, much pain, much growth, still need much growth, I was called to answer that hard calling. Do you realize that all of us are called to hard things if we're following Jesus? Because you realize who we're following? You're not following someone that went skipping through a grass field, a field of lilies. You're following someone who went to a cross because the world hated him. They ridiculed him, humiliated him, and they ultimately murdered him. So when you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, you mean you're following that path, and even though you literally might not be crucified, you're following the hardest path on earth. That's why the way to destruction is wide, and the path to life is narrow. It's because this is a hard road. The calling's hard. You are always called out of your comfort zone, always. And we have certain plans for our lives, and 99% of the time, they don't match up with God's calling for our life. You guys hear me? That's important because they're teaching everything else on TV. If you've got a dream, you follow that dream. What if your dream doesn't match up with the calling of God? You better throw that dream to, your, to the side. It's when your dreams match up with what God has called you to that there's beautiful obedience that leads to the glory of God. We need to f- stop following our aspirations, stop following our dreams, and start answering the call that God has put on our lives corporately and individually. Because the world is trying to sell you stuff to live for yourself, and God's saying, die to yourself to lift up the name of Jesus. And there's so many vain traps we get caught up in in this world that keep us Wasting our lives instead of living for the glory of God and for the salvation of many. We are called to cast off this life and live for the next. Amen? That's a hard calling. My dreams go out the window when Jesus calls. And this is what happens with Jonah. Let me give you a little history of Jonah. We're starting this new sermon series, The Unrelenting Grace of God. Because I believe personally that sometimes we put too much emphasis on our own strength to seek God and we forget that God has been pursuing us since we were in our mother's womb, that he knew us even before we were born. And his unrelenting grace has tracked us down, tracked us down, and he will never give up on us and nothing will take us out of the hands of our Father. 
That is the testimony of our life. And that's what happens to Jonah. Does anyone see a seeking man in Jonah? No, you see a running man. Everyone just thought dance moves from the 80s. You see a man that runs. God says, you're called to this? And Jonah says, what are you talking about? Where's the boat? But God says, I'm going to call you to this. I chose you before the foundation of the earth. This is my plan for your life. And you will submit to it. Do you guys realize that? We act like we have too much. I heard a preacher say the other day, no one gives God permission to come into their life. I don't understand this faith, and you must believe, of course. But God decided you were his before the foundation of the world, and he called you as his own, and he's going to track you down, and he's going to love you and use you for his purposes. And that's what happened to Jonah. Jonah got called to a hard task. It was about 8th century B.C. Jonah was a prophet during this time, and to understand this, Jonah was a prophet in one of the most comfortable times in Israel's history. The time he was under Jeroboam II, and Jeroboam II was a righteous king, and Israel prospered in so many ways. It rivaled the reign of King Solomon. That's how comfortable it was. So, you know, guys like Elijah were called to prophesy to evil kings and queens, and guys like Jeremiah and all these other people, they had real what would look at as hard callings in hard places to hard people with hard messages, and Jonah had had a comfortable existence up to this point. But all of a sudden, God shows up and says, Jonah, your days of comfort are over, my friend. I've called you to call out to the city of Nineveh, the evil city, people out of the covenant of God. You're called to go to them and preach repentance. That's my will for your life. Do you guys realize we don't come up with our own wills? Like, we don't dictate what God's will is for our life. It is written what God's will is for your life. We need to learn to walk in that, you know? We don't manifest our own destinies. We don't manifest what we want. You don't make it out of thin air. I am. Now, come on now. God has a will for your life. The best thing you can do is fall to your knees and say, God, give me the strength to follow it, no matter how hard the calling is. And I pray many hearts are spoken to today because many people might be in the comfort zone. You know when you're in the comfort zone, and God has been calling you out for years, and you're saying, no, God, I want to get on that boat, and I want to keep going. I want to stay where I am. I don't want to move. I don't want to be uncomfortable. This is too hard. I want to be what I want to be, and I want to go where I want to go. And God's saying, no, you better answer the call. You hear it. You know it. Now follow. Let's read Jonah 1, 1 through 3. I heard someone say to me, I feel kind of like Jonah. I think we all feel kind of like Jonah. You know, we've all wanted to run away from God's calling on our life. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So I think the first thing we have to analyze here is what is a calling? Does everyone know here what a calling is? Let me give you a helpful definition. A calling is God's purpose for our lives spoken through the scriptures or through unique revelations, such as prophetically, that reveals how we should live intentionally to fulfill God's designation for our lives. 
So we've all been given a call corporately, and we've all been given a call individually. We don't need any special revelation to know what every church across the globe is called to. What? The Great Commission, right? Let Hear Jesus' words. This is what Restoration Row is called to do, and every other church that exists that is in Christ is called to do. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Restoration Road, that is our calling. We are called to make disciples and baptize. We are called to make disciples and teach. We are called to make disciples and send them to make more disciples. That's just as good as Jonah sitting there and saying, go to Nineveh. This is the word of God. The Holy Spirit wrote this. This is the call of every church. We have to answer that call corporately, that every tribe, language, and tongue across the globe would put their faith in Jesus. This is important because nowadays, nowadays the mission has become, because we've fallen so back, there's been so many Jonas, so many of us have had that heart, that now the mission has become get the church at 11. Like that seems like that's the mission, Right? I keep bringing this up because I want us to hear this over the next few weeks. The mission comes, if I get to church from 11 to 12, 15, I fulfilled the mission of God. What do I keep saying every week? This is the rally to go out and make disciples. The mission is not to show up. We need to show up. But we're coming here to get refreshed and encouraged so we can go to the ends of the earth and make disciples. The mission is not to show up in church. The mission is to be making disciples and you come here to be refreshed as a team for the rally cry to get ready and go out and play the game. Do you guys hear that? Every day you've got to wake up and say, God's called me to make disciples where I'm called to make disciples. Because the enemy has brilliantly made us complacent brilliantly and we need to fight that complacency with everything we are now corporately that's our calling individually we all need to follow our gift follow our call in our own lives use our giftings for the team let me give you an example i used to play softball in unhealthy ways too competitive i need to quit it's ruining my life it really was it's jokes but they ain't jokes I mean, I'd be up putting stirrups on. If the game was at 4, I'd be stretching at 11. It was just out of control. So we, had, we were playing this team from Revere, this Baptist church from Revere over at Oak Island. And we were going to have exactly nine people. Don't be a coach of a church team unless God calls you to it. It's a hard calling. You understand me? Because trying to get nine people there, like I'm not spending 10 hours to get nine people to a Christian softball game. Right? We had nine exactly. But you know what happened? Our third baseman got pulled over just for speeding, but he had on paid tickets. Next thing you know, we're playing with eight. Does anyone know what it's like to play softball with eight? I was in my early 30s, so I still thought I had it, but I was slightly losing it. I would play, you know, I would play center field. So I applied to play right center, and my buddy tried to play left center, and we just ran like madmen trying to catch everything. And this team that shouldn't even been in the game beat us the first game. Then to top it off, our second baseman cusses at the empire in the Christian league, the worst leagues of Christian leagues. Can I get an amen? He cusses at the empire, and he gets thrown on the game. We're playing with seven. So everyone's overworking. There's holes in the defense, and we're like, wow. We ended up pulling off the second one because we're amazing. You understand me? But we shouldn't have been playing with seven. The reason I tell you that story, because that's just like the church. 
You've got certain people answering their callings, doing all the work, and you've got holes in the field, and the church is supposed to be defensive and guard, and you've got people that haven't come to the game and haven't answered their calling, so the team keeps losing and we're not successful because people are running around and overworking. Do you hear what I'm preaching? We all have to answer our call individually so we succeed corporately. And when we don't answer our calls, the team, the local church, we do not fulfill our mission to make disciples that make disciples and see people come from darkness to light and see people saved. There's people who are lost there. If they die today and they stood before God, they're going to hell. Your friends, my friends, your family, my family. Are we that comfortable that we're not answering the hard call to have those hard conversations with them? Please hear that. I need to urge you in this. That's my calling. i got to urge you in this because this world is passing away. Some of us might only have one more day. Some of us might have 10 years. Some of us have 50 years. We don't know what our lost friends and family have. And I'm telling you, according to Jesus, according to the word of God, if they do not put their faith in Jesus and repent, they will not receive paradise with God forever. This is how serious. That's a hard calling, right? I just want to be comfortable. I don't even want to preach that because that's uncomfortable, right? But that's what I'm called to preach. I want to go home and relax. I don't want to think about people are going to hell, right? Like, can I relax? I come to church to relax. You said hell. You messed up my day. It's a hard calling. It's hard to follow Jesus, and that's why most people don't. It's hard. But there's a simple format that um, God says to Jonah. It's helpful. Sinclair Ferguson wrote a great book on Jonah. He gives this kind of format that I use as a template a little bit. In verse 2, it says, Arise, go to Nineveh, Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. So let's start with the arise. When it comes to what you're called to do, you're called to use the, the gifting that God has given you. You have to arise. You can't sit around. You can't be complacent. You have to get to work. You have to stand up and stand against darkness. You have to stand up and go out and preach the gospel. It, we have to arise. A lot of people aren't answering the call and even standing up to do the work of Jesus, to labor for the advancement of the gospel. You've got to arise. Don't waste your energy on things that are passing away. Arise and go work for things that are eternal. Amen? Arise. First of all, half the battle, what do they say? Show up for work. Half the battle now with some of these young workers is just showing up. They show up like, this guy's a great, he shows up great. He's a great show opera. Joe Beck liked that one. Half the battle is showing up for your call. Show up. Secondly, go to Nineveh, that great city. Nine out of ten times, our Nineveh is the place we work, the town we're in, the friends we have, and the family that is ours. That's your Nineveh. That's my Nineveh. Nine out of ten times, you're called to go in there. Many of our uh, friends are rebellious against God, just like Nineveh. Many of our family has no fear of God, just like Nineveh. Many of them don't even care to hear anything about God just like Nineveh. We all have our personal Ninevehs that we're called to to bring the message of the gospel. You guys hear that? You guys just thought of that. Say, man, I got it. It's like Nineveh at my work. It's like Nineveh among my friends. That's my Nineveh. You need to go. So you rise and you go to where God calls you. And this is the third thing. He said, call out against the city. What is our message? I want to read this. It's the gospel. That there is a God who is holy, who cannot let sin go unpunished. Therefore, every man and woman will stand before God one day to be judged according to his works, his behaviors, and his merits. 
and they will all fall short of God's perfect requirements. But the good news is that there is one who met the requirements perfectly, and his name is Jesus. Believe and obey him, and you will not only be pardoned from your sin, you will receive reward of a wonderful relationship with God and eternal life. You guys hear me? That's the gospel. That anyone doesn't repent of their sin is under the wrath of God. And there's only one who met those perfect requirements, and you must put your faith in him so his work is imputed to you. That's your message in your Nineveh is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know what? You're going to get made fun of. But if you want to look like the one who has it all together and never ruffles anyone's feathers and, oh, they're so sound of mind, they don't preach that stuff to me. If you want to be that guy, you're going to be tremendously unfruitful. But if you're willing to be persecuted and made fun of and, oh, here there goes that Christian, he, Christian, he's been touched by an angel. Here he is. I've heard it all. When I first got saved, my friends made fun of me so bad. Dennis, you were part of it. No, you didn't. You didn't. He did it. He did it. But I remember I told one of my best friends, I said, man, God really touched my life. He said, you've been touched by an angel. And I said, stop it, man. And they said, man, you're one of those holy rollers now. I'm like, really? I'm not rolling, I swear. But it got to the point where I realized that it was a hard calling that my ego and my reputation that I worked for so long, that, that you've got to throw that out the door when you get called to follow Jesus. If you want to be liked by everyone, you can't follow Jesus because many people hated Jesus. When you hate people, you pin them to a cross. So if you want everyone to like you, then this road is not for you. But if you understand the path of Jesus, you understand it's hard, and you say the persecution is worth it, and that Jesus' first sermon he ever preached was, blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness' sake. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. That you could suffer for Jesus is an amazing thing. There's no bigger privilege in your life that you could suffer for the eternal king. Amen? That you could be made fun of, that you could be outcast, that you could be ridiculed, that you could lose friend. What an honor God has called you to. The unrelenting God, grace of God that he calls you and brings us hard calling so we can receive that privilege. Does everyone know why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh? It wasn't because he was afraid. It wasn't because he lacked faith. He didn't like the people in Nineveh. He believed God was going to forgive him. And says, I don't want to go preach repentance to Nineveh because they're going to repent and you're going to forgive them. He wasn't afraid. He didn't lack belief. He didn't like the calling God called him to. He said, listen, can I go to another city where I like the people? Can I know the place where I actually like the town and they got the restaurants I like in there? I've got to be called somewhere else. Let's check out God. Let's look at the map. God doesn't consult us. He tells us, and you follow. He said, Jonah, you're going to Nineveh. And Jonah had a beautiful, holy reaction. He ran. I don't want to get too much into, because we're going to speak on that later in the sermon series. It's going to be a five-week sermon series on Jonah. But we'll talk more about his heart and not wanting those people forgiven later on in the series. But I want you to hear that Jonah's aspirations for his life, his plans for his life, his 10-year plan, he had that. God came in and gave him a call and they messed up his 10-year plan. And he was like, God, you ain't doing this to me. This isn't happening. I had this plan for my life. And God came in in love and he messed it up. Instead of Jonah submitting right away to God's plan, he ran. And you know that will happen in our lives? Like I said, many times our desires don't match up with our callings. 
Many times we can mistake open doors as signs that we are doing the will of God. Sometimes God calls us to knock on closed doors until they open. You guys hear that? You ever hear people say that? I hear people all the time. Well, I'm not sure what God wants me to do, but if that job opens up, I'm going. What are they doing? What? So where's that at? So you mean if you're a good interview and you get a job, that means you're called there? Man, if we get that house we bid on down south that's only $90,000 and it's 5,000 square feet, it's got to be gone, right? No, maybe you just put in a good bid for a house. Wow, God's working on hearts because it got real quiet in here. That's man-made where, oh, there's an open door, go through it. You look through the Bible, you see a lot of prophets, a lot of men knocking on closed doors until they open, and that's what God has called them to do. God calls you to hard places sometimes where you keep keep after banging on that door he's called you to bang on until it opens and you see freedom and you see liberation and you see salvation. Please hear that. Please hear that today. You know, maybe, just maybe, and Sinclair Ferguson point this out, when Jonah got to that boat, he said, oh, maybe I didn't hear God right. The boat's here. It's going to take me away. It's a sign. And he gets on that boat. Oh, you know what? I woke up today. God didn't kill me. I must be in his will got another day and he read all these things as signs that it was in the will of God but really what was happening is he was running away from God and I need us to hear that today when we pray through our callings in life because God is going to call you to hard things and you don't want to use open doors alone to cause you to make a decision you want to say where is God calling me even if it's a hard place with hard people and it's a hard calling I'm going to stay if God calls me to I'm going to go if God calls me to I want to, it's Sarah's birthday, so I want to share a little birthday. Sarah's somewhere there. She is. So happy birthday, Sarah. Come on. Sarah just turned 24. She's been having kids since she was 18. So when Sarah just um, moved here with Dave, so Dave felt a strong calling from God, and Dave what I've learned about Dave, when he knows it's God, there's not much talk about it. It's just like, oh, it's God. Let's go. Like other people sit down. Let's put yeses. Let's put noes. Let's put pros and there's cons. Great thing about Dave is he says, man, I feel called here. Let's do it. And so Dave felt called to go to seminary here in, um, in Boston up at Gordon College. And um, guess what? Sarah married him, so she had to come with him. Sarah was young. They got married. How old were you, Sarah? You got married? 19. And it was like, listen, we're called out to this new place. Dave's excited. Sarah, you married me. You're coming with me. So Sarah gets out here to Boston. She's away from family. It's hard. Her and Dave decide to have 18 kids within three years, so they say, let's get started. So she's having kids, and her... Her parents aren't around. Her in-laws aren't around. She's in a new place. And let me tell you something about us, Boston. We are not nice people. We're not nice. We don't say hi when someone passes. We're not nice. We're nasty on the roads. We're not nice people. And so all of a sudden, Sarah comes from the beautiful state of Colorado, the mountains, eagles flying, coyotes doing what they do. She's in Boston, Massachusetts with people cussing. Her family's not around. She's in a hard place. They don't have much money. Dave's going to seminary. All of a sudden, they're called to a church plant, 
That's going to be tough. We've got 15 people and nowhere to meet. And she's like, Dave, this is hard. When are we moving home? Right? And I understand that. Listen, Natalie's parents live like 100 feet away. Natalie wants it to be 50 feet away. Never mind if it was in Colorado and you're in Massachusetts. So Sarah finds herself in a place that's a hard calling. Her life plans, I don't think, I'm going to guess Sarah wasn't, listen, I'm going to move to Boston. I'm living in Lynn, beautiful city of Lynn, <laughs> right? We're going to buy a place <laughs> that is too small for our family, and we're going to do it, man. We're just going to do it. We're going to follow that call. That's not in her original plans, but she finds out that God's will for her life is much different for her plans, and even though she struggles through that year, it's hard. Dave, this is hard. Lord, I'm working through this. I'm sure she had many prayers. Father, what is your will? This is hard for me. All these kind of things. A beautiful thing happened in Sarah that I want to happen in all of our hearts. Slowly, her heart submitted to what God called her to, and she found joy in what she was called to, and her dreams and her aspirations and her desires met the call of God in her life, and now she joyfully serves where God has called her to serve. Is that awesome? That's what we got to do. That's what we have to do. I understand that this is a hard call to follow Jesus. You guys hear me? Because I'm following Jesus with you. It's so hard to get up every day, and your flesh is telling you to do something that Jesus tells you not to do. Every morning, every day, I wake up and my flesh is like, live for yourself. And this Jesus is saying, no, live for my glory. I wake up every day and it's saying, oh, just step back. Just let it go. Just be complacent. And Jesus is saying, go out and be courageous. My flesh is saying, I'm a homebody. Stay in. Watch Netflix every day, all day, seven days a week. And Jesus is saying, go out and preach the gospel to those who are lost. This is a hard Hard, hard calling. It's hard to follow Jesus. It's hard to live as a servant. It's hard to walk in repentance and holiness. How's that repentance thing going? Is that fun? Everyone having fun repenting? It's so hard. You want to say, and I hear people say this, I just wish I didn't know it was wrong. I wish I didn't know this was wrong because it's messing up my life. I wish God didn't call us to all this holiness because I don't naturally want to do it. It's hard to live a life of repentance and sanctification. It's hard to give up your dreams for what God's calling you to do. And that's what happened to Jonah. Do you know why most people don't follow Jesus? It's not because they don't believe. It's not because they think Christianity is a bad thing. It's not because the church is not relevant anymore. It's because it's hard. And that's why people don't follow Jesus. But there's one, there's one who perfectly executed the will of God the Father, and that is Jesus. There was no harder calling. There was no harder path. There was no one. Jesus shouldn't have had to walk that path. We're sinners. We deserve hard stuff. We deserve to be punished for our sins. Jesus was sinless. Sinless. He didn't deserve to be mocked like that. We deserve to be made fun of. He didn't deserve to be treated like that. We do because we treat others horribly. He didn't deserve to bleed and be rejected and have his beard torn, torn out and be mocked by them making a crown of thorns and putting it in his head. I had to share that with my daughter the other night. And as I'm 
as I'm sharing that, I'm saying, wow, the mockery, the mockery that Jesus had to go through. And you know that Jesus didn't just say, oh, the cross. Let's do it. Do you know that his soul was in such agony and he sweated blood and he was so distressed that he said, God, if it is possible, God, the father, my father, if it's possible for this cup to pass, if it's possible that I don't have to answer this fall, this hard calling, if it's possible that there's another way besides the cross, please let me take that path. But then you see the heart that we need to have, not my will but yours be done. And that's what we have to answer every day following Jesus. Because this hard path before us. And can you imagine that not only did Jesus follow the hardest path, I want to read this text to you because I want you guys to hear from the scriptures before I go on. Mark 13, 32 through 46 says, I want you to see what Jesus is going through. I don't want to just go over that. I was going to, but we need to hear the struggle Jesus was going through. It says, and they went to a place called, place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to great, he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Can you imagine that? Jesus, the perfect one, the sinless one, he's distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Have you ever felt so sorrowful about your calling? that you'd rather die. I'm in so much agony and grief because of what God's called me to do. He called them to watch. And going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed. Have you ever been so distressed about your calling that you fell to the ground and prayed? God, you called me to do this, but how am I going to do this? He prayed, if it were possible that this hour might pass from him, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. You've got to love the disciples. And he said, Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Do you see what just happened in Jesus' prayer life there? He went from, Father, this road is so hard. My soul is distressed. I feel like I'm going to die. I'm troubled and sorrowful. He fell to the ground to pray. He asked his friends, keep praying for me because it's going to be a rough road. When he realized that it was God's will, he said, not my will, but thine be done. Then he said, get up. The time's at hand. I'm being betrayed into the hands of sinner. It's time to answer my call. And I want you guys to hear that in closing. Are you answering the call that God has placed on your life. If you say, I don't have the strength to do that, that's going to be too hard, too much depression, too much anxiety, too much sorrow, I'm going to tell you it is going to be a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, a lot of sorrow, but God can strengthen you to make it. He strengthened Jesus to the cross. There's been no harder path to walk than that. So whatever God is calling to you, 
calling you to do, know this, that the reward in heaven far exceeds any suffering on earth. And that's why God is so gracious to us by giving us hard callings. Let's pray.